Hey, you're listening to the Grace Auburn Church Podcast. My name is Lee Cadden. I am our executive pastor here at Grace Auburn Church, and I am sitting in our worship space with Matt Dean, our senior pastor uh, here at 720 East Glen in Auburn, Alabama. And we have been in a series on the book of Hebrews titled Jesus is Better. And weeks one through six, uh, we journeyed from chapter one through chapter nine, but we come to this week, week seven of our series uh, in a not so ordinary time. Yesterday on Sunday, March 15th, we did not gather for corporate worship, but instead, like many churches all over our city, all over our nation, and truly all over the world, uh, we did our very best to honor and respect government authorities uh, by not gathering in large corporate gatherings uh, to do our part to slow the spread of the COVID-19 illness here in our community. While there are an incredible amount, truly innumerable amounts of questions and much fear Uh, around this whole situation and what's going on and when's it going to stop and all of those things, we believe that scripture has much to say about this and every dark time that the church has faced. So today's sermon uh, speaks right into that, has much to do with what is our response as the church of Christ, as his bride, when it comes to responding to things like a coronavirus outbreak. This is Hebrews chapter 10 in week seven of Jesus is better. So I know For Lacey and I, uh, we spent much of the last several days asking so many questions about, well, what does this mean? Or if this virus does this, then what about that? And uh, things like toilet paper being gone everywhere and all of that sort of thing. Um, With asking a ton of questions about what does that mean for school and what does that mean for work and all of these things. There was so much that was unknown. So Matt, in light of these last few days and, and our belief that Jesus truly is better What was this weekend like for you and your family as you guys wrestled through all of this? Well, I would not have predicted that we'd be sitting here on a Monday afternoon. Um, But I think this weekend as the news unfolded, um, it was shocking, um, deeply concerning. And uh, many of you know that before we moved back to Auburn, we were living in Hong Kong. And for the past several months, I've been watching our friends that still live and serve there uh, wrestle through their new normal as they were missing things like soap and toilet paper and basic food supplies and sanitizer. And, and quite honestly, I never thought it would happen to us. I never thought it would happen in America. And I had compassion for our friends in Asia, but I just didn't have a whole lot of understanding because I couldn't relate. Well, uh, as of last Friday, we can now relate. And so I think as we were paying attention to the news feeds and to um, the CDC and um, our local governor, uh, just trying to understand what is the situation that is rapidly unfolding around us. Um, I became increasingly burdened, not only for the vulnerable in our community and even the vulnerable within our church, but just what does leadership look like uh, in the next 60 days? What is the future for our local economy, for the local businesses? What is education and church and community life and just life is going to be different from here on out for the foreseeable future. And so uh, this weekend was odd to not gather with the people that we love so much. And um, as I was at home on Sunday morning and I was watching multiple churches and their live streaming and services, and I was really encouraged to see how the church responded. And I was thinking about how much I would love and prefer to be in person with the people from our church. And so Uh, This is our response to that, Um, and in the weeks ahead, we are um, 
excited to gather in the ways that we can gather. We're excited to continue to open the Word of God together, even though it looks so different right now for all of us. But I'm confident that the Lord is with us, that He is good and trustworthy. And so um, as we open the Bible today and as we think about this, whether you're gathering at work or with friends, um, I want you to know that my eyes are fixed on Jesus and that my faith is rooted and grounded in the hope that we have in Him. And I pray that in the, the months ahead, as we navigate life together in a new normal, that our uh, focus on Jesus and on loving the people of this community would remain steadfast. And so uh, we're going to begin this week in Hebrews chapter 10. Um, but as we gathered the week before, we ended our time in Hebrews 9 with this statement from verse 28. It says, Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people, and he will appear a second time not to deal with sin, but to bring salvation to those who are eagerly awaiting for him. And I think as the news of this virus spreads around the world, I think those who are waiting for him will become more and more clear that these are the moments when our faith goes beyond culture. These are the moments where our trust in Jesus goes beyond a mere suggestion, but this is the moment where our faith in the living God meets reality. Do we believe what we say we believe, and do we put our hope in the living God? And I, for one, do, and I pray that as we look at God's Word today, uh, that your faith would be strengthened, that your focus on Jesus uh, would be clearer than ever, and that the people that are in your life, whether friends or family, that they would see uh, that your faith in Jesus is real. And so Hebrews chapter 10 is uh, full of incredible content. Uh, we're going to focus uh, primarily today on Hebrews 9, or Hebrews 10 verses 19 through 25. But I want to just set up by this by saying that Hebrews chapter 10 verses 1 through 14 is, is all about why the sacrifice that Jesus made was once and for all. And it says, because by one sacrifice he is made perfect forever, those who are being made holy. The writer to the Hebrews was saying that the need for ongoing sacrifice is no more, that the once and for all sacrifice for Jesus is what makes people right with God. And then the writer to Hebrews begins by reminding um, the, the listeners to the promises of the new covenant, and I'll simply read them to you. This is the Lord. He says, this is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their heart and I will write them on their minds. The Lord goes on to say, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. It says, where there, have been, where there has been forgiveness, there is no longer any sacrifice for sin. So as we open up the word today and we look at Hebrews 10 through 19, 19 through 25, um, there's some incredible promises in here that I, I find will be encouraging for all of us. Let me just read this to us as we listen together. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain that is his body, and since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to focus in on that for a few moments and begin with, we have confidence to enter into the holy place 
by the blood of Jesus. This reminds us of the gospel, of the new covenant, of the good news, that there is no longer a separation due to sin between God and man. But for all of those who place their faith in Jesus, that new and living way has been made possible. It is our new reality that we can relate to a holy God because of what Jesus has done. And the most important thing, the most important question that you can answer is, do I trust that Jesus can make me right with a holy living God? That is the first question that we all need to come back around today. Do we have that confidence because of what Jesus has done? This new and living way speaks to the reality that the ritual of sacrifice over and over again has been done away with, has been put away. The new covenant is now our new reality, and that new and living way is Jesus. You may remember that in the previous weeks we talked about that this great high priest that we have. He is the one that is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He is the one that is able to understand what it means to be tempted, but he is also the only one that though tempted in every way was without sin. And I don't know what sins you're struggling with. I don't know what temptations you're wrestling with, but I know people, I know me, and I know that all of us need to remember that our great high priest Jesus, he is the one that understands your frame. He is the one that understands your fears. He is the one that understands your anxieties. He is the one that knows your wayward heart. He is the one that sees when you are discouraged and that when you are tempted to pull away from the people closest to you. He is the one that is sympathetic in every way, and he is the only one that is without sin. And so because of that, we must enter into relationship with God based on confidently trusting in what Jesus has done. Last night around the dinner table, I asked my family, what does it mean for us to draw near to God in full assurance of faith? And my sweet four-year-old daughter, she raised her hand first. She goes, I know, I know. And I said, well, tell me, what does that mean? And she goes, mommy, what does it mean? And as we were laughing with her eager response based on just the desire to answer the question, we did have conversation around the table last night. And as my children and my wife and I, as we talked about what does it mean to draw near to God, there were lots of answers that were spoken around the dinner table last night. But the greatest answer, I believe, came from my wife, April, when she said, when we draw near to God, sometimes it's, we think that, that we are here and that God is somewhere off and distant but that's just not the gospel truth. The reality is that when we draw near to God, we recognize what is already true, that Christ lives in us and that we live in him and that we have been made one with God by grace through faith in what Jesus has done. And so when we talk about drawing near to God, we don't need to go anywhere. We don't need to put on some ritual. We simply need to, by grace, through faith, draw near to what is already true for us in the gospel. So for us, young and old alike, what it means for us to draw near to him is to acknowledge that he is present, to acknowledge that he is trustworthy, to acknowledge that he is here, to acknowledge that he is near, and we can draw near to him in full assurance of faith. And I know that we may know that in our heads, but the reality is when we think about this question, I just want to ask you quite simply, in the chaos of these days, have you drawn near to God? In the chaos of these days, have you drawn near to God in full assurance of faith? Last week in particular, I know that several people from our church family were ill, uh, were facing um, tremendous suffering, were in the hospital, and although we could not go and visit them due to current restrictions, I know that there are people in our church community that are facing great difficulty, great heartache, great suffering. I want to ask you, 
Have you been able to draw near to God in those moments of great pain, fear, and doubt? My prayer for all of us is that we would truly draw near to him because he's invited us in. He's made that way for us to draw near to him. The next phrase is it says that our hearts have been made clean. And I want to just continue to remind you of this gospel truth that you've been given a new heart, that at the core of who you are, you are a new creation in Christ. And sometimes when we face difficulty, when we face struggle or discouragement, or when we face fear like our nation is facing right now, sometimes we are prone to sin. Sometimes we are prone to give in to our flesh. But I want to encourage you and remind you, you've been given a new heart that desires the things of God. And so just as a friendly, humble reminder to you, remember that you are a new creation in Christ. I think one of the most interesting phrases in terms of this timing of us being in Hebrews 10 and the rapidly unfolding situation in our nation is this phrase, let us hold fast to our confession without wavering. I love how this translation translation says it. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess, for he who promised is faithful. Yesterday was uh, recognized as a national day of prayer, and I sure, I'm sure some people saw that as just a... Um, kind of a one-off reaction to panic in our nation. But the reality is uh, the one who promised is faithful. And so for Christians, for followers of Jesus, we have one confession and we have one hope, and that hope is Jesus. So when we talk about let us hold fast to this confession of our hope, it is not saying let's hold fast to the confession of our sin, although that matters and that's important. What it does say is let's hold fast to this confession of our hope Let us hold unswervingly to the hope that we profess. So last night, again, around the dinner table, I was asking my children, what is the hope that we profess? And one of my daughters said, well, is it that we need to confess our sin to God? Is it that we need to remember that Jesus is the one that makes us right? And I said, yes, that's that's part of the answer. But the reality is the hope that we profess is that we have life forever in Jesus and in a day and age and circumstances where people all around us are fearful and perhaps even facing the possibility of death, we, the church, have to hold unswervingly to the hope that we have, that God is faithful, that he has made a way for life forever in Jesus. The next verse says, and let us consider how we may spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And I admit to you, I am currently asking that question (laughs) Much of the day and much of the night, what will the church do to respond in love and good deeds? And I think the reality is we don't quite know yet. Um, But as we wrestle through what does, quote unquote, church look like in the weeks ahead, I know that all of us want to do what is right. I know that all of us want to love our neighbor. I know that all of us want to encourage one another. And so I just want to encourage you, do the next right thing. And uh, yesterday when I was in Walmart, uh, I was there and I was just observing people and there was panic, there was anxiety, there were people um, stockpiling food and it was just a concerning thing. And so I just stopped in the canned vegetable aisle and I asked one of the employees at Walmart who I've seen consistently over the past two years, I said, how are you doing today? And she goes, it's just crazy. I said, well, I just want to thank you for doing a great job in the very clear way that you are serving our community. I don't know if that meant anything to her or not, but I think that's a practical way for us to demonstrate love and good deeds is to simply acknowledge that the people delivering our mail, 
that the people stocking the shelves, that the people that are working in retail, that the people that are working and operating restaurants, that the people that are still out and exposed to the general public, that they're there because they need to be, that they're there because they're called to be. And so for us as a church family, anything that we can do to speak words of life, to speak words of love, to speak words of um, encouragement or to demonstrate good deeds uh, is something that we can and should do. I was talking to one of our community group leaders um, late last week as the situation was unfolding, and I said, well, what do you think about this? He goes, hey, I'm, I'm already on it. I've already reached out to international students, and if they need a place to stay, we're going to um, make a way for that. Another person from our church called me and said, hey, uh, we have an empty bedroom, and if there's a student that's been displaced and they need somewhere to live, just know that our basement is available. I know, based on conversations that I've had with people in our church, that everyone is wanting to do the right thing and to do the next thing. And so as we live this situation out together in the weeks ahead, I'm confident that the stories that come out of this are going to glorify God. So my encouragement to you today is do the next right thing. And I encourage you to pick up your phone, to call the people that are in your life, to speak words of hope, speak words of life. Um, This last phrase Uh, Let us not give up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but let us encourage one another and all the more as we see this day approaching. In situations like this throughout church history, um, pandemics, epidemics, disease, suffering, it makes humanity so aware of its frailty, but it also presents a tremendous opportunity for the church. And my prayer for us as a church is that we would see that opportunity and we would step into it. So as we wrap up today, I just want to give you four quick points that you can walk away with, that you can talk with your family about, talk with your friends about um, as we conclude our time. Number one, as Christ followers, we believe in the finished and final work of the cross. We are forgiven, loved, redeemed, and safe in the kingdom of Jesus. So let's lead with our trust and faith in Jesus in the weeks ahead. Let's be people of hope, people of grace-filled confidence in God. Number two, drawing near to God is the best thing we can do for our families, for our friends, and for our neighbors. The new and living way of Jesus means we have his presence with us every day, all day, in all circumstances. Number three, let's hold fast to our confession of hope because many of our everyday lives are going to look drastically different in the hours and how we manage our time and how we manage our responsibility, let's make sure our eyes are fixed on Jesus. Let's make sure that our confession of hope is clearly articulated around what Jesus has done for us. And finally, number four, given our current situation and the need for social distancing, let's love one another well in all the ways that we can and let our good deeds be responsible in these days. So send a text, make the call, wash your hands, FaceTime a friend, but be intentional with the people around you, and I'm confident that we will see God at work in our lives. I will end with this thought that Jesus is better, that Jesus is better than any um, fear, that Jesus is greater than any hardship that is coming our way, and because of that, he is the anchor of our soul. So let's fix our eyes on him. That's so good. We are not a people who shrink back. We are people who hold fast to the hope that we have in him. So let's pray uh, as we end this time together in this way on this not-so-ordinary day. God, we love you, and we know that that you are still risen, Jesus. You are still reigning. You have still 
gone into the most holy place and made a way where there was no way. And so our hope is on you amidst all the fear, amidst all the questions, amidst all of the unknowns. You are known. You are uh, ready. You are continuing to intercede on our behalf, praying for us in ways that we don't even know that we need prayer in. So God, our hope is in you and we draw near to you today. In the weeks and months ahead, Lord, I pray that you would give us wisdom and discernment and grace and compassion that we would respond faithfully and obediently both to your word while honoring those whom you've placed in authority here in our land. God, we love you and we trust you and believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that you work all things together for good for those who love you. And so, Jesus, we say we love you and we trust you. And we pray these things in the strong and mighty name of our King Jesus. Amen.